WFIA welcomes you to The Art Parlor, where visually impaired artists of all types will discuss their work. Pull up a chair, bring your beverage of choice, and listen to thoughtful, stimulating conversations with visually impaired artists in all media and from all parts of the world. And now, here are your hosts, Anne and Peter. Welcome to the Friends in Art Parlor. My name is Peter Altschul. I am the program chair of Friends in Art. And our guest for this month is Joel Snyder, the guru of described video. Welcome, Joel. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you, Peter. I don't know about guru exactly, but... Uh... <laughs> well, whenever I hear that term, I think of you, you know. Oh, well, thank you. Thank <laughs> so... you. And we try, to, we try to talk about it as audio description. It's funny because there's, in fact, in my book, I've got... Uh, a list of all these different logos for description and names. There's DVS, there's described video, there's audio narration, there's verbal description. And, you know, I, we are underknown enough as it is without having a, you know, a dozen different names. Swear. So, so we try to try to stick with audio description. No, thank you for that. I, I, I realized when I was making the intro that I wasn't quite sure what the proper name was. So yeah, it is it's, audio, okay. it's, it's audio description. I will try to remember that for future reference, but I'm sure you'll That's correct right. me. Of you're, course, you're, of course. You're, you're, you're quite good at that. So anyway, I, <laughs> I, I'm delighted you're here. Um, Thank you. And I've always, you know, I've always wanted to to get to know you a little more. You know, I've see your I see your uh, stuff on uh, various email lists and think, wow, that's really cool stuff. I hope I get a chance to meet at some point. So I'm glad the opportunity has arisen. So, Great. so Joel, uh, how did this all get started? T- tell me about sort of how you got started in audio description. Well, you know that that's um. Thank you for that, and thank you for inviting me, Peter. Uh, and actually, that particular question, uh, and, and yeah, I, I I've been working with this for over forty years now, and so people do uh, think of me periodically when it comes to audio description. But you know, audio description began with people who were blind back in the golly even the 60s, a fellow named Chet Avery, who lives in the Washington, D.C. area, a blind man, still with us, and, and we're working at the Department of Education. And part of what he he dealt with there was uh, getting programs captioned so that they're accessible to people who are deaf. And here's a blind man, and he actually mentioned to a supervisor, you know, what if we had captions in a way for people who are blind descriptions of images and it just didn't fly very well with his supervisors for whatever reasons who were sighted people of course yeah Uh, yeah, there you go um but he stuck with it and ultimately he ended up on an accessibility panel at arena stage here in washington dc and someone else on the panel was a woman named margaret rockwell uh, who later became Margaret Fanshteel, uh, Dr. Margaret Rockwell, a blind woman who had founded something called the Washington Ear, a radio reading service based in the D.C. area. And of course, there are various radio reading services around the, the, the country, around the world now. And so I, I don't want to belabor this, but it really came from them. They were on this panel at Arena Stage, and Arena was touting the fact that they just installed assisted listening devices. That's wow, right. isn't that great? You know, yeah, yeah, for people who are hard of hearing. And <laughs> Margaret and Cody thought that's a wonderful thing. And then and then they thought, hmm, what do you got for us? Uh, we, <laughs> we can hear pretty well. And they they thought about it, you know, if 
if the assisted listening system is simply really a microphone on the stage that picks up the sound and it goes through an infrared system and is amplified, well, couldn't there be someone off stage holding a microphone using the same system describing uh, images, action, costumes, um, and just in the pauses between bits and pieces of dialogue or critical sound elements? Couldn't that work using the same system? And it would include then uh, people who are blind. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll tell you, Wayne White, who was the house manager at Arena Stage at the time, this is, this is oh golly, circa 1979-1980. To his credit, he said, let's give it a try. And Margaret, of course, was running the Washington Ear. I was already uh, a volunteer on her staff there, reading uh, newspapers and magazines. I, I, one of my assignments was reading the Sunday Washington Post. And uh, of course, you read the newspaper, you read the comics on Sundays, you've got images there, you have to describe them. So I, I had tried doing that, uh, but there was no formal technique. Margaret came back and got me and a few others together and said, how would we do this? What would we call this service at Arena Stage? And uh, we thought it through. We had a number of meetings. We we kind of um, uh, hammered out some basic fundamentals. And in July of 1981, uh, the uh, Arena Stage did a production of uh, Shaw's Major Barbara with audio description. Uh, so that was the the beginning. The, that was the first, the world's first uh, ongoing audio description service. And I, I will mention quickly, though, just to give uh, our friends in California their due, a fellow there, Gregory Fraser, a sighted guy who was good friends with a blind man, he wrote a master's thesis at California State University in San Francisco in 70, I want to say 1977, about how a film could be made accessible to someone who's blind by describing the images. And again, using the space in the pauses between uh, bits and pieces of dialogue. So Gregory Fraser, I oftentimes talk about him. I got to know him very well. He really was the first to put something out there in writing, uh, publish something that that had to do with what we now call audio description. Well, terrific. And thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that uh, sort of introduction. Little well, history. Before, history, exactly. <laughs> Be, before we go further in that history, I'd like to... Talk a little about yourself. So, you know, talk about what you were doing. You said you were you were part of the, the Washington era, but talk about your upbringing. Talk about what you were doing prior to getting engaged with audio description. Oh, sure. Uh, my favorite topic. Thank you, Peter. Of course, yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, golly. Well, I'm a, a native of the D.C. area, and I had always been interested in theater and radio, media, using my voice to kind of to show off, if you will, or whatever. So I, I was doing theater from age, golly, oh, seven, something like that, and uh, uh, began doing professional work uh, fairly early on, oh, golly, in the early 70s when I was in uh, as an undergraduate in college, and even a little bit before then. But, you know, at this, in that same period, again, this notion of using my voice in various capacities, there was a woman at um, a college student at the University of Maryland, a blind woman who had advertised that she needed somebody to read textbooks to her. And I thought, you know, that that's something I could do uh, with my voice and hopefully do it well. Uh, and I did that for a few years. Uh, I, re- I recorded talking books for the blind at the Library of Congress. And uh, your listeners certainly know about that program. And um, 
And then I discovered the Washington Ear in about 1972, auditioned to be a volunteer reader and was fortunate to be brought onto that team. And as I say, reading the Washington Post on Sundays and magazine articles and short novels and that sort of thing. So um, that's really how I, I got into this whole audio description thing through the ear, which was the first group to, to get something going with it. I went on to teach theater and English um, in Montgomery County, Maryland schools, and I was already a professional actor and stage manager and presenter as actually running a theater, presenting the arts, and then actually ended up for 20 years at uh, the National Endowment for the Arts, giving away your tax dollars to uh, art centers and festivals around the, the country. But I was doing description all that time. Description wasn't something you could earn a living at. No, no, so no. Really, <laughs> so I, I had had my backup work in arts administration and theater and such. But now, you know, we are no longer in our infancy. Now, there are people out there who work full time in the audio description industry, uh, which is just a wonderful thing uh, to so, see uh, it grow. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. You were acting in college, right? You were, you oh, were yeah. doing lots of productions of whatever exactly. place, whatever. Exactly. So, I, in fact, I joined. Uh, I think it was midway through my undergraduate career, I had um, joined Actors' Equity Association, uh, the union for theater actors. In fact, I first became a member of the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, which is the, the union for uh, radio uh, personalities and voiceover talents. So I'd been doing professional work and college work and um, all around that time. Okay. So oh, oh, actually, Peter, it's Annie. Okay, yeah, I cut in. Please. So Joel, I'm I'm fascinated by oh, um, your you. your history with theater, um, and I, I just I just have a couple of questions for you. Curiosity sure. questions. Uh, what's your favorite theater piece to <laughs> to either perform in or or direct? Like, oh. I'm really interested to know. You know, I'll tell you something. The, the, I go back and forth between doing serious drama, comedies, uh, and musicals. I've, I've done a lot of musical theater. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, what I think is one of the finest musical theater pieces ever uh, created, which is Fiddle on the Roof. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, um, I've, well, I've been in, golly, I think four or five different productions. I've directed it, I've choreographed it. In fact, I, I will mention something that I think your listeners will find interesting. I recently heard about a internet radio station that is conducting in April, in mid-April, a benefit for blind Ukrainians, which of course is um, extremely important and topical right now. Yes. I mentioned that. I mentioned that because Fiddler on the Roof, its locale is... Um, actually in what is now Ukraine. Um, mm. uh, Ukraine existed before Russia, actually, and then, you know, the, the boundaries shifted and such. But in Ukraine is the locale, as I say, for uh, an imaginary village that in Fiddler on the Roof, they call it Anatevka. Um, it's all based on Sholem Lechem's The Tevya Stories. You know, it's somewhat timely, and I guess that's why it occurs to me right away. Well, this this group, this internet radio station is going to do a blind benefit, and they've invited blind 
performing artists and and others uh, who are advocates for services to for people who are blind uh, to contribute uh, songs and information to this concert that they're going to do, and I'm going to be a part of it, uh, singing the 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 song Anatevka from uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Um, and indeed, I the other little personal connection is, you know, I've I've talked about description and trained describers in. Uh, golly, over 60 countries now. And most recently, in December of 2019, I was in Ukraine, in Kyiv, doing a workshop for a couple of budding audio describers there. And I also met with members of the Ukrainian Society of the Blind. So those people have been foremost in my my mind. Just outside, absolutely, just outside Kyiv, uh, believe it or not, uh, a group of um, people there created a village on several acres uh, that they called Anatevka, and I went and visited. <laughs> I went and visited. It's basically a home for Jewish refugees from the Donbas mm. region. So I, I actually visited there and met with some of the folks and have my picture under the the, the sign that says Anatevka. <laughs> so there you go. That's a long-winded answer to your question. Yeah, about, no. <laughs> I'm so but, glad I, I you know, something told one. me to ask you about it. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. Is there, it can, can anyone listen to that? Yes. Um, and in fact, I will, no, no, I will send uh, a link or, or the information about it to Peter uh, so that you have that and, and maybe you can uh, publicize it in some way. And uh, ACB radio, I'm sure we'll be, we'll be doing some, uh, getting some information out about it as well. Um, Funny you mentioned Fiddler on the Roof. That was my father's favorite musical. Oh, Um, wow. And he used to always sing to it. Sure, (laughs) sure. It's a it's a classic. It is absolutely a classic. And that actually was a, a question, Annie. I'm, you're welcome to ask more questions. And I should say that's Annie Chiapetta, who is uh, on our board, a Friends at Art board. And uh, we're thrilled that she's doing what she's doing with us, and uh, and that she's joining us to ask uh, to 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 grill Joel about audio description. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, did did you actually? So did did you do musicals when you were in college too? Did you? Oh yeah. All kinds of uh, oh different shows. They've probably done thirty or some musicals over the over the years. Oftentimes, character parts. I guess that's sort of been more by style or or something, if you will. Uh, I did things like I did El Gallo, which is a leading man type thing in the Fantastics and several productions. Uh, but I also played roles like uh, Charlie Cowell, the bad guy, the Anvil salesman, and the Music Man, which starred uh, that production starred Bobby Van, who's some of you may remember from uh, 1940s and 50s uh, uh, musical movies and such. Uh, So uh, yeah, a whole wide range of different shows. Well, we are soliciting uh, talent for our upcoming showcase, the Performing Arts. We would love it if you would do something. Oh my goodness. Oh, I'd I'd be honored. A chance to uh, strut my stuff. (laughs) Yeah, strut my stuff. That's right. Let me me know. Let me know. That would be fun. Up-tempo, Joel. uh, Oh, up-tempo. Absolutely. I've got plenty of that kind of thing, but uh, you, you know, I'm an old, I'm an old sighted guy, so I wasn't sure how uh, uh, <laughs> if I wanted to barge in on things there. Well, I, uh, I, I think given the the, the long history yeah. you had, had with blind folks, I think it would be terrific for you. To, oh, well, just, thank you. It, you know that we're doing this on, we're doing this virtually, so you just need to send us something. Oh, uh, I would be uh, happy to. Uh, you know, <laughs> under 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 five minutes, up tempo, preferably. And this is for anybody else who's listening who wants to get on the showcase. The deadline is May 20th. 
If you have any questions, you can send an email to us at showcase at friendsinart.org. So you can either send us questions or you can send us material. That's great. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to have you do something. I oftentimes say, Peter, I'm an old-sighted guy, which means I am. I have a, a significant disability. I am light dependent. <laughs> if, if, if the lights, if the lights go out, I want to be with you or Annie uh, to help me out. You know what I'm saying? Well, well, you're using my lingo that I use in my book, so I'm flying. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, all right. So. Uh, Annie, do you have any, any further questions at the moment? I think, Joel, I just want to say one more thing. Um, sure. I, I met you at the 2010 New York State Convention, and you came okay. um, to show us what audio description was, because it was a brand new thing back then for a lot of people, especially a lot of still, people. Still, still is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People, and you and you did. A, um, it was during Halloween. And <laughs> um, you you brought up one of the, the little short cartoons so that was my first exposure to something that i didn't think i could ever have yeah. so yeah. thank you for that number one and number two is just that i'm just the expansion of audio description has really helped me personally as an author because you know i you know have my books audio now i narrated now and I, I have no problems finding a narrator um you know it's just, it's like, it's a done deal, yeah. you know, whereas way, you know, back in 2015 or 2016, it was almost close to impossible to find somebody who, um, who could do those things for me and want to do them and do them quickly yeah. and professionally. And yeah. so, yeah, so it's all coming together. And my last thing is a uh, comics uh-huh. and comic strips and audio yes. description for those. What are your thoughts on that? In terms oh, of how you golly. think that they're going to develop uh, over time, you know they they should and they have to a certain extent. In my book, uh, the Visual Made Verbal, which is uh, published uh, back in 2014 by the American Council of the Blind, and we can talk more about that later. But I I go into the history of audio description, and I I love to talk about. A fellow that I bet you know uh, this name because you're in in the New York area, Annie. A fellow named Fiorella Laguardia. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think we've heard of, people. Yeah, well, your listeners may have heard of Laguardia Airport, Airport in New York yeah. City, of course. Mm-hmm. And and uh, well, Fiorella Laguardia was the mayor of New York City in the 1940s, right. and during his tenure, there was a newspaper strike, which was. Uh, quite something uh, because, you know, there weren't a lot of newspapers, but how did people get information? They got information through the radio or the newspaper. And that was it. No television, no internet, right? And here's a newspaper strike. And this was a real problem. And what's the mayor going to do about it, right? Well, he didn't take the side of the publishers. No, he didn't take the side of the workers, this savvy mayor, much beloved mayor, by the way, he mm-hmm. he took the side of the people. And what were the people missing? You know, he what's the right. first thing you turn to in your Sunday newspaper, right? The comics. The funny papers. That's yes. Right. And he went on, he went on the radio every Sunday and read the comics to the people of New York City and realizing very quickly, oh, 
I better describe the images, which he did, <laughs> just uh-huh. sort of informally, if you will. Um, there was a radio program too, uh, and I'm I'm blanking out on the name of the fellow that that did it, but uh, he used to do the same kind of thing on a regular basis. Um, and there was a someone else introduced me to a, a program also from that same era uh, where somebody would he he would narrate bowling games you know professional bowling and he did it just he wasn't just a commentator he would describe what was happening and they called him i forget his name but it's like whispering bill or whispering jim or something because he would he didn't want to interfere with the sound of the the bowling and the people he's just sort of whispering his his uh, soundtrack there uh and describing images so yeah comics are are part of the the history of audio description so i'm glad you i'm glad you Mentioned that. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you've heard, I listen occasionally on Sirius XM to the golf channel and the way okay. they describe golf, you know, it's, it's yeah. and now they're very quiet yeah. approaching yeah. as it's on this beautiful windy day. You know, it's, it's just, it's hilarious. Yeah. You know, I well, mean, you know, because you, know, you, you don't want to ruin the atmosphere. You know, they have to. That's talking. right. That's yeah. right. You know, and I, that's so great that you mentioned that because when, when description was first bubbling up, for especially for media uh so we're talking about oh well the the first television programs were described i wrote in voice three of the very first programs in 1985 that was on public broadcasting and when this was first bubbling for television people would refer to the voicing of the description as you have to use a golf announcer voice. (laughs) When when we were first developing the the fundamentals, the idea was that we have to be very careful not to interfere with the program. The program is the main thing. And so we want to be in the background. And, And that led to when when the descriptions after they were written when they were voiced it led to a a voicing technique of now he moves here now he moves there now he does this now he does that almost a monotone and that had that that persisted uh, for years nowadays it's not quite so much like that in fact when i teach audio description we have a whole audio description institute the the acb uh, sponsors twice a year uh, starts um, a week from monday when we when we talk about voicing i i i talk about the concept of consonance the voice must be in consonance with what's happening on the screen so that you 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 don't want to be in the per- production in the movie you're not an actor but you're of the production if it's a serious scene your voice will have a sober tone if it's a happy scene there'll be a lilt to the voice uh, but i think it's it's actually distracting if there's a happy scene going on and the describer is going now he's doing this now he's doing that now he's doing the other. yes it's just kind of silly it doesn't make much sense so uh that's that's evolved over the years so let's talk about that involvement uh yeah. so so it's uh uh, sort of the history of this. So you're, you know, you you start this work in the early '80s at the, the Washington Ear. So what happened next? You know, you're you're starting this work. You did this uh, Bernard Shaw production. How did things go from there? Well, that's that's great. Actually, in the early '80s, this was brand new. I mean, in the world, and began to get a little bit of uh, attention, a little bit of media. I have a golly, I have a clip that I show in training sometimes uh, that uh, Peter Jennings on ABC News did interviewing Margaret Fansteel and and kind of demonstrating a little bit of of how we did description. 
for television. And because this was this happened in about 1985-86. As I say, the word had gotten out. And some folks, after we'd been doing it in theater for a couple of years, we started thinking about how could we do this for television? There's so much television out there, so much needs to be made more accessible. And we thought about it. We had the Washington Ear was was broadcast on a sub-carrier of WETA's FM signal. Well, what if we tried to simul-sync description on the radio with the broadcast on television, would that work? People could listen to the radio while the television's on and get description. Guess what? Didn't work. It didn't work at all. <laughs> it, it just wouldn't sync up. An interesting idea. Well, a fellow named Barry Cronin in Boston, who was, was working for WGBH at the time, he heard about all of this. And he was a real television guy. He knew the ins and outs and the engineering of television. He knew that there was that there was in existence something called the SAP channel, secondary audio program channel, that was really there for television in the analog days for the broadcast of Spanish translation. Well, he he heard about this description thing, and wow, he'd been doing captioning for WGBH. So this would be a wonderful way to bring accessibility to folks who are blind. But you, yeah, you can't do it with a simul sync because there's latency con concerns and stuff. We could use the secondary audio program channel. So he came to us with the idea. We did the pilot for WGBH. As I say, I, I wrote and voiced three of those programs, and it worked. And he, he ran with it. Uh, Barry Cronin is really a uh, golly, a, a kind of a father of, of audio description, certainly in media. Uh, and indeed, uh, last year we started, uh, we, the Audio Description Project of the American Council of the Blind, started a, an AV gala uh, to honor folks in media who are, are the media producers, the television folks, the, the film producers, the big, big guys out there who are embracing description. We wanted to recognize that and honor that. So we, we developed something called the Barry Awards, named after Barry Cronin. So he, he ran with this and uh, it just grew from there. So it was all on public broadcasting at first. And this is like, as I say, in the late 80s. Um, and it uh, grew slowly. It grew slowly, uh, but word started to spread. And um, it, it, Margaret and Cody Fanstiel were talking it up at uh, in communities around the country and around the world. They did a fair amount of travel. And the uh, commercial television broadcasters began to think about it a little bit and began experimenting with uh, uh, how we could do this. It was a success for PBS. So it took a little while. Um, over the next mm, 10 to 15 years, people began playing with it, and the FCC got wind of this and thought, well, this is a good idea. We should make this happen. It should be like captioning was a requirement. It's required by law. That started about 40 years ago, and the law had a built-in provision whereby it would increase each year a certain percentage. We're at 100% of programming now has captions. Well, FCC in the year 2000 had uh, been given authority from Congress to study this idea of audio description for television. They went beyond that. They actually created a rule that said, okay, the top four uh, terrestrial networks, CBS, ABC, Fox, and uh, NBC, 
we want you to do this a certain, you know, four hours a week, you know, and, and the top cable programmers. Well, that was a wonderful thing. And descriptions started happening on a regular basis, but it was challenged by the broadcast industry, by the film industry. And I, I, I must say, also party to that suit was the NFB, the National Federation of the Blind, said, no, 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 this is this is not something that should be required. And it was that that ruling was struck down because Congress had not officially said to require description. They just said, study it. And uh, it took 10 years. It took 10 years. A lot of folks working together to create the 21st century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, which in passed in 2010, signed by President Obama, and took effect in 2012, which required, it went back to the same FCC requirement, a certain number of hours per week for a certain number of stations in a certain number of communities. Uh, unfortunately, it lacks that provision to increase it each year. Mm-hmm. So we're still at a very small amount of all the hours of broadcast television out there. And we're hoping that perhaps there can be an amendment to the CVAA legislation that will help with that. Although I must say, movie theaters have embraced it because of other rulings from the Department of Justice and the ADA. Streaming services are not required yes. to do it, but they've embraced it. So you can get description on, yeah, Netflix, Amazon, you can get description. Mm -hmm. In fact, you can get it on Disney Plus, a variety of languages, Mm -hmm. a variety of languages, too. So that's really quite wonderful to to see it has grown exponentially. And by the way, I always knew that once it was embraced in media, that would affect description in other areas. And so a lot more theaters began doing it, uh, a lot more, and, and museums started building audio described mm-hmm. tours so there's on the audio description project website we we list by state all the performing art spaces that we know of all the museums that we know of that have audio description availability so this might be Joel, a good place um, just let me just mention the website if if i can of sure. uh, the okay. audio description project uh, acb's audio description project which i was quite honored to um I was one of its founders with Chris Gray and others at ACB about 12 years ago. HTTPS colon slash slash ADP.ACB.org. And um, that website is just one of our initiatives, but it's probably the most visible, if you will, because you can go there and find out what's on television right now with description, what movies, what streaming services have description. As I say, what performing arts spaces, what what uh, uh, museums have description. And we've got loads of other programs, yeah. uh, the, the Institute, and we give awards. We give awards to blind kids who write reviews of described media too. So <laughs> that's one of our projects. So um, I, I actually have, I have two more questions. Peter, please. if you don't mind me, Butting yeah, in again. Please, please, please <laughs> um, first is uh, two things. Um, what are your thoughts about commercials, especially like during like major primetime events like the Super Bowl? Commercials not sure. being described. I felt so left out yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it was just I'm like, I kept asking my husband, like, what was that? What did yeah. that? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's another frontier, I think, oh, that yes. um, totally unexplored or explored and denied for. Well, that, you know, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, it's I, coming. Have, I have, I yeah. have written and disc- and voiced description for 
at least three or four Super Bowl commercials that were done a few years back. And um, there are folks at Procter & Gamble. Uh, there's a woman there, mm. a blind woman, who works with accessibility, Samara uh, Latif, who has made it her business to make sure uh, their commercials have description. I've done commercials, um, golly, for, um, well, for Microsoft, for Enterprise Rental, for... Right. Uh, of uh, uh, a number of others, it's not very well spread out there. It's not ubiquitous. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Uh, right. But it, there, it is out there a little bit, and and we need more of it. Yeah, and I agree with you, and thank you for that. I, that gives me a sense of hope I didn't have. Yeah. <laughs> and um, can visually impaired or blind people be audio describers? Oh, great, great question. You know, that's why I started. Um, when Peter first uh, brought me on, I started by mentioning this is something that came from people who are blind. It is it is of and by and for people who are blind. You know, you could be totally blind. You could be congenitally blind, but be an excellent wordsmith. And mm. that kind of talent is so important in creating the audio description script. So I oftentimes use uh, people who are blind, who are, they, they know words, they know language, and that's yeah. what description is about. You know, they, they act as consultants on those scripts. They're quality control experts in a way. Hmm. So that's one aspect. <laughs> Good way to put it. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah that's one aspect. Um, the Some of the best voice talents for audio description scripts out there are people who are blind. Um, the, absolutely. Uh, some of the best audio editors, because, you know, once this is all recorded, it has to be mixed in a certain way. Sure. And, uh, yeah. You know, people like Chris Snyder, no, no relation, but he's just a great guy. He lives out in Arizona now. Mm -hmm. he does the audio, yeah. yeah. He does the audio yeah. editing for any number of programs. And Amazing. A superb job. He does voicing too, as a matter of fact. He does it all. He does producing and consulting and such. Uh, but there are a number of people like that out there. Uh, so absolutely. In fact, at our audio description institutes, we welcome the participation of folks who are blind. Because you know, it's not just a matter of, oh, I'm blind, so I'm I'm automatically an expert in audio description. No, it's something that you learn and you develop some familiarity with. And then, yes, people who are blind can get work as uh, consultants, as audio editors, as voice talents. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm yeah. semi-retired now. You never know. You might have there you someone go. else join you. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> ah, thank you so sure. much. Back to you, Peter. Do we want to... Um, do we want to hear the the clips that Joel's oh, set up? We or? do, but not. But maybe uh, this might uh, the next question might set yep. us up a little bit. So, Joel, I, I'm really curious. You know, obviously, there's, there's a long history of back from 19, you know, early 80s. Yeah. Obviously, the whole process has gotten better. So, I have sort of two questions. So, the first question is, how have things changed since the early days? You know, when you were learning how to do this audio description. You know, so obviously there are things you put in place to make things better and more and to go yeah. more smoothly and to and to, uh, you know, and to, and to make this whole process more, uh, you know, more uh, whatever the right word is. Yeah, quality, right basically. Word, yeah, the quality, basically. So talk yeah. about that process. And also, um, I'm imagining that, that the ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act, which passed in 1990, uh, might have had an impact on all this as well. So talk about both things. And while you're doing that. See if you can weave in that sample you brought us. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, you know, what, what's been so gratifying to see is the, the growth 
in professionalism of the field. You know, the radio reading service days, uh, and, and folks out there now at radio reading services are often volunteers. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, you have some top-notch uh, talent among volunteers. At the same time, you have, uh, just in any field really, there can be a professionalism that certainly warrants payment. Uh, that's kind of the meaning of the word professional. And, um, you know, sign language interpreters, uh, when you, you experience them at a theater so that the piece is accessible to people who are deaf, they're not doing it for free. It is a job. It is a profession. And I think audio description has grown up in that way as well. In fact, ACB has been very active. Kim Charlson, who's the immediate past president of ACB, she's been real active. I've been working with her on a certification process for audio describers. We've been working on this for a couple of years now with a group that's called ACVREP. They they provide certification for orientation and mobility specialists and others. Well, hopefully within a year or so, we will have a program where people can become certified audio describers so that government agencies, commercial agencies know they're hiring somebody who has the training, really knows what they're doing, and warrant payment for that work. As I say, there are people out there now who uh, earn full-time livings doing audio description. So that's a real nice thing that I've appreciated seeing. What was that? Remind me again, Peter, the second part. Of- the other part, of it is, I'm sort of visioning us go on two different tracks. One is the- yeah. Sort of the uh, professionalism track where you sort of right. started in this sort of this in your garage, so to speak. You know, I'm sure it's like, well, yeah. it, but you know, it started in a very low key kind of way. That's and right. Sort of burgeoned across the country. And I'm sort of curious about the history of that. Of course, you can't tell that in the next 15 minutes. Well, yeah, it's grown up. Yeah, it's grown up. But sort of how, how that happened. But also the other the other track was sort of the uh, advocacy part. And I was I was wondering how the ADA connected. Oh, right. This. Of course. Well, you know, it was based on. Uh, a reading of the ADA, uh, two things. An ACB member, as a matter of fact, was at a museum in Washington, D.C., and really had no access. There was nobody there who was mm. trained to provide description. Um, right. There was no recorded audio described tour. He filed a complaint, and the Department of Justice uh, came down on that museum and said, you got to make this accessible. And they did. They created an audio described tour. And in the same way, um, movie theaters, you know, uh, it's one thing if you build a movie theater and there's no ramp, there's just steps. You know, if there's no ramp, a person who uses a wheelchair can't get into the building. Well, uh, that became clear early on. Uh, there has to be that physical access. But what about once you get inside? What about programmatic access? Well, the movie theaters began to be subject to these same kinds of complaints. And of course, you can't expect every movie theater the actual physical theater, the people that run that theater, they can't be describing and captioning every film that comes their way. No, so it went back, of course, to the movie producers. They have to provide that audio description material. Uh, They have to provide those captions that the movie theaters then show. So that was um, a real impetus. uh, And that really came from the reading of the the ADA. So it it has been important in the development of audio description for sure. Mm. So, so, so uh, this might be a good time as any. So you brought along a clip. Yeah. I understand it. So why don't you sort of set that up and play that for us? Well, this, yeah, this is kind of fun because this goes back, and I oftentimes use this in trainings and workshops. This goes back to a film called The Color of Paradise that 
debuted in the late 90s, uh, as I recall, before film, you know, movie theaters were providing audio description. So it's, it's a marvelous film, an Iranian film. And there's one segment that it, I realized when I saw this film, you know, this one little segment, it's, it's two and a half minutes. And doesn't sound very long, right? But there's really no dialogue at all. And let me, let me, I want you to experience it, Peter. I want you and your listeners to experience it as it played in the movie theater without any audio description. You know, listen, what's going on? Can you make head or tail out of it? Here it is. Yeah, it was fat, fascinating. I, I, love, I especially like the tweeting, the tweeting birds. I thought that was especially interesting. No, um, Peter, you you fell asleep. I know I, you did. I, I, I've, I've done that. I've done that many times uh, at movie theaters. Yeah. Seriously, uh, it, it, in all seriousness, I, that's one of the reasons I don't go to movies. At, well, or, or or you know maybe Annie's there with her husband, so you know she gets this part, and so she's she's with the elbow in his rib. Yeah, 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 what's, yeah, going yeah, yeah what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's all on? Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and of course, everybody around you then going, shut up. Hey, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm trying yeah, to listen right, to the movie. Right. What are you doing? Yeah. Don't talk. What? 
you know, and, uh, you know, so yeah, you're right, Peter. You just don't bother with it. Yeah. You know, go to the movies mm-hmm. or whatever. And that's, that's unfortunate because it, it, it cuts you off from an important part of our culture, sure. really, you know, yes. uh, and, 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 you know, uh, yeah, yeah. And my, personal belief is that I kind of subscribe to the social model of disability. Um, If there's no audio description for a segment like that, well, then you have a disability, you're blind, Mm -hmm. you you are cut off. But if you add audio description, Mm -hmm. the disability goes away because you're you're no longer disabled because you have full access. It's like that ramp. If the ramp is there, you can get in, you know. So, Listen, listen, I, I know that felt like it was a couple of hours. <laughs> oh, <awesome. laughs> like, couple let's of... listen to the one with the audience. Let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's do let's it again. Yeah, let's do it again. Yes. Let's yeah. do it again. Let's and do it again. I don't know. Will it make a difference? I let, Let's see by listening. Okay. Muhammad kneels and taps his hands through the thick round cover of brown curled leaves. A scrawny nestling struggles on the ground near Muhammad's hand. His palm hovers above the baby bird. He lays his hand lightly over the tiny creature. Smiling, Muhammad curls his fingers around the chick and scoops it into his hands. He stands and strokes its nearly featherless head with a fingertip. Muhammad starts as the bird nips his finger. He taps his finger on the chick's gaping beak. He tilts his head back, then drops it forward. Muhammad tips the chick into his front shirt pocket. Wrapping his legs and arms around a tree trunk, Muhammad climbs. He latches onto a tangle of thin upper branches. His legs flail for a foothold. Muhammad stretches an arm between a fork in the trunk of the tree and wedges in his head and shoulder. His shoes slip on the rough bark. He wraps his legs around the lower trunk, then uses his arms to pull himself higher. He rises into thicker foliage and holds onto tangles of smaller branches. Gaining his footing, Muhammad stands upright and cocks his head to one side. An adult bird flies from a nearby branch. Muhammad extends his open hand. He touches a branch and runs his fingers over wide green leaves. He pats his hand down the length of the branch. His fingers trace the smooth bark of the upper branches, search the network of connecting tree limbs, and discover their joints. Above his head, Muhammad's fingers find a dense mass of woven twigs. A bird's nest. Smiling, he removes the chick from his shirt pocket and drops it gently into the nest beside another fledgling. He rubs the top of the chick's head with his index finger. Muhammad wiggles his finger like a worm and taps the chick's open beak. Smiling, he slowly lowers his hand. There you go. Was that Very, a little more clear? Was, yes. A little more. Just a little more. Yeah. Just a little more. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know, clearer. That yeah. that was I I wrote and voiced that about 20 years ago when it was aired on ABC television. Um, because at that point they were 
experimenting with description already and they were showing the film so they wanted to be sure it, it was uh, and what's what's interesting about the film too is uh, and you would have known this from the beginning of the film that character muhammad his visage, what he looks like, that had already been described in the in the early okay. bit of the film. So that you didn't hear anything about that in this excerpt. But what you did hear was description of the images the director chose to show us. And a lot of those images have to do with him touching the leaves, climbing, using his fingers, grabbing with his arms and such. Muhammad's blind. He's a blind boy. And he knows, oh, yeah, if you remember some of the was, description. Yes, that's why he was um, groping the branches yep. and looking yep. for the nest. That's right. That's right. Yes. Exactly so. And uh, so, and then, you know, in classes uh, where we have, uh, you know, some sighted folks, we'll, we'll show the whole thing again, uh, but with the images. And and mm. we, we analyze it. We talk about, well, why was this word used? Why did we describe this and not that? What right. other techniques are used uh, to, to, to try to make the description as vivid as possible? So uh, that's a little snippet of what we do in the Audio Description Institute, if you will. No, that's fabulous. That, yes, that, that is really, really fabulous. fabulous. And, and, and um, uh, I, I was going to ask how old the, the, the character is. I, I know oh. I'm sure that's discussed earlier in the in the in the film. But how yeah. old is the is Muhammad? He, he's I think uh, Muhammad is 11. Okay, uh, I think. And you know, I I will ask people be, before we we do the the screening with the image. Uh, you know, well, just from having listened to the description, what's he like? And people will say, "Oh, he's a young boy. He's yeah. oh, he's kind. <laughs> he's empathetic. He likes animals. You know, mm -hmm. all of that." Every now and then, and usually it's a blind person will say. Is he blind? Mm -hmm. You know, because they they heard the reaching, the touching, the feeling, and yes. it occurred to them, uh, and and that, that that's it's a little bit of a clue, basically. The beginning of the film, of course, you would already know. That sure, he was he's blind. Sure, but, uh, yeah. Um, it's a wonderful film, Color of Paradise. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check yeah. it out. I'd yeah. love to. I, you know, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. It was it was done with description for broadcast television. I don't okay. think the DVD. I don't believe the DVD was ever described. Uh, oh so shame! I, I, yeah, shame, shame. I'm not sure that <laughs> I'm. I, I should work on that. I should find out uh, how to make that happen because it really is a, a lovely film. Thank you for so, sharing that. So, yes. uh, just by audio description purposes, I want people to know that I have a 86 pound black Labrador. Three years old, who thinks it's time to eat? So he's putting me with his head and doing everything he can to distract. He's wagging his tail. He's looking my hand. I love so it. you know so this is what goes that on mean while you're time now. But see, no. now, wait a second, Peter. <laughs> so wait a second, Peter, because yeah. I I really like the last part of what you did there, the description. But you know, if I you know if I'm I'm criti uh, giving you a critique of your description sure. here, you began by saying. This guy here wants to eat. He's yep. he's interested in eating. Well, now that is a judgment you've made <laughs> based on certain actions mm -hmm. of your pup of your pup there, you know. And the audio describer tries not to make judgments. That just, you know, he's nudging me with his snout. He's making <laughs> he's whining, <laughs> doing this, he's doing that, whatever. And let the blind person go. I bet he wants something. He wants something. Yes. yes. No, no, I, I think that's right. <laughs> it's dinner time. Dinner yeah. time. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, thank you. Thank you for that. But I just thought that people would want to know that, that we don't, That's right. we, we don't do this stuff in a vacuum. You know, we, there's, there are things going on around us that, that whatever. So a couple, a, a couple of, of more questions to, to wrap this up. First of all, can you speculate a little bit? I'm interested in the universal design concept. And do you think that other audiences besides blind folk like these descriptions? Absolutely. You know, and we know that from having done a bit of research. I, I have a PhD in this stuff from the Universitat Autonoma de Barcelona, because audio description is studied as audiovisual translation, like subtitling in, in Europe. Uh, it's not studied here so much, but it has been shown that uh, audio description helps with the building of literacy in all kids, just like captioning does. You see words or you hear language, you hear similes, you hear comparisons, you hear synonyms. It helps build literacy in all kids. It helps uh, with people who are learning a language for the first time. It helps with people who have learning disabilities uh, or are on the autis autistic spectrum. Uh, that's been shown repeatedly, actually. And I'll tell you something. It's great for someone who's sighted, who happens to be in the kitchen making a sandwich while the TV is on in the living room. You know, you don't miss a beat because, you know, you've got <laughs> the a power of on. convenience, yeah. accessibility. Right. That's what it is. I, I am looking forward to the time. It hasn't quite caught on yet, but I'm looking forward to audio films when, when just the audio track of a film is put out there with the audio description. Sighted people will use it when they're on a long car ride, you know, or at the gym or oh, something like captions. Yeah, because you hopefully you're not watching a movie while you're driving a car. So you can listen <laughs> to the movie, though. You can listen to the movie yeah. and get the whole thing. If there are audio books out there, why can't there yep. be audio movies? I mean, there's there's exactly. yes. that there. Exactly. Flip, it on, flip it on its head. It, it has been people have been playing with it. It has not caught on, and I think it will. That's a mm -hmm. that's another little bit about the future for audio description. I'm hopeful uh, in any of it. We're hopeful with you. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so for sure. So uh, and what this reminds me of, I just finished a book called Quantum Marketing. And huh. the, the book talks about there's so much visual stimulation out there that the theory is, at least among some marketers, that audio is, is going to become more and more important over the yeah. next few years. Right. Jingles are going to become more and more important. Being more <laughs> creative audibly is going to become for marketing purposes, for commercials and things. And if that's, that's true, right. uh, you know, this is all speculation. You know, none of we don't know if this right. is going to happen, but it, but it, it seems rational to me as a possibility. You know, Advertisers have known that yes. for years, yeah, and, yes. and that's why you know uh, you, you don't have to see uh, a, a can of Campbell's soup if you just hear. Everybody knows. Oh, Campbell's soup. It's it's silly, but but you know you you heard that jingle, and so you you know what it's about. Sure. And jingles may be coming back. You know, I live in Columbia, Missouri, and. There are a lot of good jingles out there on the radio, and I'm sure they're, oh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, that, that the whole thing is sort of coming back. Are there other trends you think that might happen in the future that we haven't already mentioned? You talked about the past and a little about the present, and we talked about possible yeah. things in the future. What other things do you see that might come well, up in the future? Yeah, you know, uh, we talked about movie theaters, and the way you access typically uh, the description in a movie theater is the, the ushers give you a headset that uh, allows you to hear the audio description track. Let me tell you, most people I know who are blind have gone to movie theaters. They have a stack of free coupons 
for free admission because they go to the movie and the darn unit doesn't work. It hasn't been maintained. Ah, uh, me included. Got, mm-hmm. There you go. They or it's been set for the, the, someone who's hard of hearing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, what I think is is going to be more and more popular and, and more and more ubiquitous are smartphones. And yes. there, or there is a an app put out called Spectrum Access that's put out by Charter Communications. You can get it now. You download the app to your phone and it will hear whatever's playing in the movie theater or or on the television at home. If you have downloaded to the app the audio description track to that movie, it will automatically sync because it's listening to the movie. It plays the audio description you're using your own smartphone in the movie theater. You, you know, you don't have to be handling yeah. somebody else's head, mm-hmm. uh, headset in their ears and, you know, COVID and all of that, right? Or or even at home, um, if you're married to a sighted person who's who's not so interested in hearing the description, they don't have to. Because mm-hmm. you don't have to have it on right. for everybody. You just hear it through your smartphone. So I think that's on the horizon for sure. It's, it's already here, but I think it's going to grow for sure. That's that's really terrific, and I'm glad you mentioned the movie theater thing because that yeah. uh, just happened to me actually. Uh, a yeah. friend of mine wanted to take me wanted wanted to go through to a movie, and it turned out the theater had no idea. They said that they had these things, but oh, they didn't boy. they didn't know how to use them. They didn't know how to do any of this. Yeah, yes. which which, 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 yep. which leads me to a question: If a theater wants to, you know, sort of get current, what do they do? You know, they they want to do the right thing, but they don't know how. What should they do? Well, it's a requirement now. If they if they project their films digitally, virtually every theater is required to make their films accessible. So, you know what? This is a good time for me to re-mention the uh, Audio Description Project website because there's do that. loads of information there Let's about that. that. Uh, HTTP uh, colon slash slash, of course, adp.acb.org. And there's loads of information for movie theaters who want to install the equipment, or, or find out more about how to access it or or for the movie producers to get their films made available through Spectrum Access, that sort of thing. And did you say HTTP or HTTPS? It's S, HTTPS, okay. colon, slash, slash. I think you could probably just put in uh, to your browser adp.acb. Yeah, it will come and up. that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah, this, this, is, yeah. this is absolutely fascinating. Oh, and I'm so glad you joined us for our art parlor. And, and, and again, we hope you and other folks will submit stuff for our upcoming showcase. The deadline is May 20th. And the email address for questions or to submit is showcase at friendsinart.org. And we look That's forward great. to hearing more from you in the future, Joel. Let me mention one one last thing, because, you know, if, if you got listeners out there who have trouble getting asleep at night, they should go on to Amazon.com and look for my book, The Visual Made Verbal. <laughs> of course. A, a comprehensive training manual and guide to the history and applications of audio description. And, and I'm plugging it because it's published by the American Council of the Blind. It's now in Braille and as an audio book from the Library of Congress. It's in five other languages now, too. So, uh, in fact, the Spanish version just came out in a partnership with the World Blind Union. So, as I say, you just open that book up you read the first page and you'll be out like a light uh or or you know uh, some people have found it very useful as a doorstop so well uh, well this, this, this is this is really terrific thank you so much for, thanks, <laughs> thanks thank Peter. you so much for joining us and we look forward to hearing more from you in the future thanks so much for inviting me thanks, Peter. Joel. It's, been, it's been a delight 
Art Parlor is brought to you by Friends in Art and ACB Media. It airs every Saturday beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern on ACB Media 1. To listen and for a full schedule, go to acbmedia.org slash one. Art Parlor is also available as a podcast. Just search for Art Parlor in your favorite podcast app. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at artparlor at friendsinart.org, and please feel free to check out our website, www.friendsinart.org. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next month. Thank you.